Well, thanks for joining us here on Bearcat Rewind. Northwest Missouri State football getting set for a home matchup this weekend against the Central Oklahoma Broncos. Of course, the Broncos led by head coach Adam Dorrell. Northwest Missouri State currently being led by Rich Wright. And so what better guest to have on the podcast than a man that played for both coaches? That is Jonathan Baker joining us, a former Northwest Missouri State quarterback. And maybe just as importantly, Jonathan will be in the broadcast booth with John Coffey coming up this Saturday. Just a scheduling conflict as the Maryville High School football team plays a neutral site game in Chillicothe. So I'll head there with the high school team. We've got Jonathan up with the Northwest Bearcats and John Coffey in the booth. Jonathan, appreciate you coming on and joining us on the podcast, filling in on the broadcast this Saturday, and it should be a lot of fun overall. Absolutely, Matt. Thanks for the call. Thanks for thinking of me for this fall. Um, I know you'll have a great game on Saturday and just hoping I can fill in your shoes uh, with half the talent that I've heard you with the last <laughs> couple of years. So I'm super excited to get in the booth with John and um, get to watch some Bearcat football. I've been listening to you guys uh, this year, but to be able to go to the game live and watch them in person, uh, it'll be my first one this season. So I'm super excited for it. Well, fortunate for Bearcat fans this week, there's not much talent when, when I am there, and so now with you there, it kind of <laughs> skyrockets. Uh, but you're a guy that came through the broadcasting department at, at uh, Northwest Missouri State and, and went through a lot of media classes, jumping into the radio booth for the first time with Bearcat Radio. As a Maryville guy, you played for the Hounds, you played for the Bearcats. Is this something you always kind of thought about, looked forward to, wanted to be a part of? Absolutely. I remember going through school, uh, John and I would always joke about, man, if, if there was any way I could sideline report for Bearcat Radio Network while I was on the sideline playing football, that would be, that would be a match made in heaven. But um, obviously never got to do that uh, with my playing days, taking, taking the president. But yeah, it's, it's really cool to be able to see uh, how the sausage is made. Uh, in the radio station uh, at the Bearcat Radio Network, and then also playing for the Maryville Hounds, playing for uh, the Northwest Bearcats, and, and to be a part of both sides of it. And so to just uh, be on air for a game day, I get to, to mix and match both worlds. So it's like an awesome scenario for me and something that I've definitely had in the, the back of my mind for a long time of, man, wouldn't that be cool to just one day uh, be able to, to call a Bearcat game? So I'm going to be super pumped. You know, I try to picture it from my perspective in an athlete's shoes at times, and you walk out, and, and it's a stadium full of people yelling at you, and you're kind of the center of attention on certain aspects of a ball game, right? And I just, the people that can do that, it's so impressive, because I think that would be very overwhelming to time and time again, but you've been in those games, you've you've stepped into those big moments and made big plays for, for Northwest Missouri State. Does that moment give you more butterflies, or is it stepping up to the microphone and taking it from this angle now, something you haven't done a little bit? That's a great question. Maybe one I might have to think more about. I think, um, you know, it's it's interesting the home, especially when you're a young adult um, playing football in college. It's like the the psyche between playing at home and playing on the road. I think most people assume the comfort of a home stadium is one that um, – is an advantage for some players. And I really think it's 50, 50, you know, some people, some players go into a home atmosphere comfortable. They get to see their family, friends in the stands. Others are, Hey, there's an expectation here. There's um, something we're playing for. A lot of our people here to watch us uh, succeed and, and play well. So there's pressure there. Whereas 
on the road, you know, like you said, Matt, you're coming into an environment where <laughs> just people are yelling at you. You're like, hey, like, we're not here to impress. We're here to get a W and let's get out of here. So I'm going to be uh, interested to see it kick off kind of the two sides to those elements and see how the players kind of react to it, knowing that it's, um, you know, Military Appreciation Day on Saturday. So there's going to be a good crowd. It's a former Northwest Bearcat on the opposing sideline. So just so many storylines there. And so I think my butterflies are going to be going because I, can, I you'll be able to just feel that energy and almost like a attention, if you will, of just on the field in the stands of, okay, how is this going to play out? So that opening kickoff, I think being able to call that with John Coffey, it's going to be um, super exciting. We are awfully spoiled as, as media members to be able to be a part of some of those atmospheres at Northwest Missouri State to where some places are a little bit dead for some of those home games. That is not the case here. You really can feel the energy like you talked about. Did you like going on the road and getting yelled at by opposing fans and hearing some of that chirping? Oh, yeah. It was some some of the most memorable um, event, like games I had were on the road. I think, like, I think back to um, Pittsburgh State. I mean, they would put us right in front of the student section. And, and Pittsburgh State, you know, as you know, they have a pretty high um, uh, a student body over there in Pittsburgh, Kansas. And so their, their student section would always be super rowdy. And you'd try and, like, talk about your offensive adjustments in between drives and they're just yelling at you and your coaches are like, you know, Hey, we've got to block these guys out. We got to like worry about the, the next drive. And so, and of course, you know, with uh, Pitt state, those were always close battles and, you know, Mo West was always the same way. And um, so just down through the list. So I think it's really just like embracing the environment. Um, I think you get about, I always feel like a, five to 15 minute grace period of like, okay, let's take it all in. Let's let these guys do what they're doing. Um, and then attitude and, and effort. It's like, all right, we just got to get locked and let's keep, keep on with the game plan. One or two big plays kind of shut them down and then keep them that way <laughs> the rest of the game. If, if it works out well, uh, your game prep as a quarterback through college football, great work ethic. You're pushing forward. Now you're kind of flipping the script and your game prep is for, being in the radio booth, do you kind of feel some of that? I mean, you're not watching nearly as much tape, I'm sure, but you're still kind of going through and getting yourself ready. Slightly different this week, I assume? Yeah, it is a little bit different. I think, you know, one, as a quarterback, you know, you're just looking at the defense. You know, there's just like, really, you're just, essentially, you'd be wasting your time if I'm over there watching the other side of the ball throughout the week in preparation. So being able to kind of, have an analytical eye on both sides of the football to say, okay, what are these guys doing um, from an offensive and defensive standpoint from both home and away teams? It's going to be, that's going to be different to see who those playmakers are uh, on the offensive ball, on the offensive side of the ball for UCO. Cause typically, you know, it's like, Hey, I'm just worried about the defense um, and how we prepare that way and what they're scheming. So to be able to get inside the mind, uh, which will be a scary place for me this week, get inside the mind of an Adam Doral and see, you know, how is he going to potentially uh, manipulate Northwest defense, um, seeing that he knows them so well and Coach Wright, um, and see what he's been doing this year on offense, see what similarities there are to when I was running the offense um, at Northwest under his um, leadership there and see where he's adapted and see where he's changed at uh, you know, six years now has passed. So uh, obviously some things are going to be different and just see where, 
see where he's been lining up that way. So I think a wider scape, a wider scope, if you will, is what's going to be the difference this week when I look at both sides. Do you have an idea of what you're expecting there from Coach Doral? Of course, they're kind of trying to figure things out right now at UCO, but when you look through and just kind of how they perform to this point, does it feel like things are similar to what you last saw back in 2015, 2016? Is this a guy that would kind of year to year you'd see different changes kind of depending on the personnel? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think what I'm anticipating, so we'll, we'll see if this like holds true um, as I continue to watch them this week and then obviously on Saturday. He, Coach Doyle loves um, the pro-style set, so sometimes he can trick people with a lot of his shotgun formation, snapping the ball, you know, not being under center as much. But really, if you take away that element of just the quarterback getting it four yards behind the line of scrimmage versus under center – um, a lot of his schemes and sets are going to be pro style. He's going to have a lot of power run game, um, being an offensive lineman at heart. Um, he's going to do a lot of play action with, you know, three to four man routes uh, in the secondary. So he really does uh, try to incorporate a lot of the things that are working in the NFL um, and less of like the Oregon duck traditional spread and just, you know, fast pace, like, no huddle offense that you typically see in the college game. Um, the other thing is motion. He, I, I don't think it's any secret by me saying this uh, prior to the game is just Adam Doral's motioning game of just trying to get a receiver from one side of the field to the other before the snap. So he can just see what the defense is going to do. Um, he's always kept that with him and something I've noticed uh, through his years at ACU and at, now at UCO it's, it's something that he continues to incorporate because it's just an easy way to tip the defense before this ball snap to just kind of understand, okay, how is the coverage going to roll to that motion? Um, what are they playing in? What blitzes might have to change uh, because the receiver's on one side and out to the other? So those are two elements that I really anticipate to see continued um, in the way he coaches. On the flip side, when you look at a rich right-led defense, which year after year, one of the tops in the country, and we're seeing that again this year, despite some injuries kind of up and down, some uh, secondary, seeing some guys go down last week against UCM, you're seeing that front four get a good pass rush, super athletic at linebackers, some playmakers in the back end. But when you kind of go X's and O's, what does it feel like makes this group so special year in and year out? Today's podcast is brought to you by the Northwest Foundation, providing support for the Northwest Alumni Association and the university's funding needs since 1971. More information is available on Facebook or online at nwmissouri.edu slash foundation. And Clorinda Regional Health Center, offering support to Southwest Iowa and Northwest Missouri each day during times of uncertainty through a local team of providers and nurses. More information at clorindahealth.com. Now back to this week's interview. Their ability to adapt to, so like if, if just talking about Coach Doral and how he's motioning guys from left to right of the formation, what makes Northwest so special on defense is they can make those adjustments without really having to move people. Um, like you said, Matt, they're so athletic at level two that Coach Wright's done a, such a good job in recruiting and getting the right personnel over there on defense that they really don't have to sub a whole lot of guys in and out based on the personnel of the offense. They are just so athletic, so tough, so gritty that they're able to bring a pass rush with just four guys a lot of the time. 
Um, coach Wright being a defensive coach, a defensive line coach, I should say, is a specialty. Does a great job with, you know, his twists and his stunts with the D line to get home, get to the quarterback and get some hurries that he kind of allows that level two and level three of the linebackers and the safeties to kind of play their home positions and just be playmakers and go out there and just use their athleticism to their advantage. So, you know, Coach Wright, don't put a past him. He's absolutely going to be sending five guys. He's going to be sending six guys every now and then on a blitz. But I think what makes uh, his coaching style so special is the way he recruits and gets guys in the door. They're able to just kind of play that base defense, let their front four guys just get home, uh, and then adapt to whatever changes the offense is bringing to them. To this point in the season, Bearcats sitting at 2-3. and three. Of course, part of the fan base freaking out just a little bit and thinking about playoffs and everything that comes with that. But at the end of the day, you got to play the schedule out, get hot, and you never know what happens, right? Um, you were on campus from 2013, your redshirt year all the way through 2017. Uh, you saw this program face adversity during playoff and championship seasons. What would you lean on? during some tough times and what should current Bearcats kind of be leaning on as they face really as a tough first half of the season and doesn't get a whole lot easier from here. I think you have to lean on uh, where this program has been over the last 30 years. Um, that's something that's not going to be uh, lost overnight. And so, you know, there is a bit of a rough patch through the first five games um, I understand a lot of questions are raised and it's just like, Hey, how do we improve? How do we get better? Um, you know, first things first is the conference is just tough. It's just really tough when you look up and down, um, these coaches that are coming in at the division two level, uh, are, are really doing their job, really doing it well. There's a lot of new, new changes over staff the last couple of years and, uh, a lot of positive for those universities and those programs, and they, they've got them to a really great place. So I think as Northwest raised the bar of excellence, um, it naturally brought the lower bar for the rest of the teams up as well to say, hey, we've, we've got to do our best to come up and at least close that gap. And what they've shown this year is that they've been able to do that. And so I think what Northwest has to lean on is just, hey, where have we been the last even just five years? Um, where's the success that we've that has brought us um, to the postseason, to these MIAA champ, regular season championships, and just kind of tap into that. I think the biggest thing, biggest um, encouragement you can have as a Northwest fan is, hey, we've been here before. Um, sometimes that winning culture is just so hard to instill in programs that aren't used to it. So I think with these other MIAA schools, it's like, yeah, hey, they might have a really strong performance for four quarters, but can they consistently do that week in and week out um, when you have a history or a reputa reputation of, of maybe not doing that? Because um, what we're seeing is a lot of these programs are, are really starting to see success for the first time in a long while. So it's like, hey, can these 18 to 22-year-old 20 kids sustain that for an 11-game season? And so as you said, Matt, it's like, yeah, we have three losses, but um, where I think we need to hang our hat is just that longevity of the hard work it takes through an 11 game season uh, to, to get to the finish line. It's a team that's battled injuries through the first five weeks. And that's always difficult, I think to handle, but man, you think about the reps that young guys are getting right now. Maybe it's not going to pay dividends immediately in 2023, 
But that's going to be pretty special as we do go on throughout the upcoming next two, three years. And I feel like that's one thing we always saw with the Coach Churchman teams too is some young guys get experience and then it kind of flips the switch as they go on down the road. We're going to see some of that after this year. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. It's like, you know, I think when you have a lot of depth, uh, you sit there and say, okay, how can I rotate some of these guys in to get experience? Um, <laughs> when that depth starts to get injured, it's like, hey, I don't have a choice. <laughs> we got to get you on the field. And I think, unfortunately, in a, in a perfect world for us this year, if we didn't have these injuries, you would still see these young guys playing, but you would see them in um, limited capacities. And, hey, here's a drive here. Here's a drive in the third quarter, you know, starting to get that experience. Um, what's happened is because of these key injuries across the field, it's, hey, you got to step up and play right now, whether you're ready or not. And so I think the talent is there, as you said. Um, I mean, it's, it's the Bearcats. Like our recruiting obviously is, is up there, um, with the best in the nation. So it's like the talent's there. It's just, I'm sure from a coaching staff standpoint is, hey, are things clicking? Like, are they clicking in these guys' heads, uh, to be able to go out and execute play after play? And so I think that that's where you're, you're seeing some of those road bumps a little bit. Um, but I'm really excited to see how the maturation process uh, continues because, you know, we're in week six now. So these guys have had a couple weeks under their belt to, to get the shock uh, out of their system of, hey, I, you know, it's my turn. It's my turn to play. And um, how can I make it my own? How can I own this opportunity? So I'm, I'm anxious to see how that plays out on Saturday. All right, JB, you're a homegrown Maryville guy. You became the Spoof Hounds' only All-State quarterback in 2012. That was a 15-0 season, a state champ. You're the all-time leading passer with over 3,600 yards, but that record is going to be shattered this year as strength and conditioning coach Joe Quinlan's son Derek is going to own that record and run off into the sunset with it. Are you happy for DQ, or are you mad at Coach Webb and Coach Houchin for allowing this to happen? I think it's 50-50, Matt. I've texted <laughs> with all three of those guys, and I'm just, you know, I'm on the fence about how I'm feeling right now. Because um, like you said, it's like, Coach Houchin, you know, you got you to gotta call some more run plays. you got to get that ball on the ground a little bit more. Um, Derek is, uh, Derek Quinlan is someone that I've known for a very long time. Uh, and I'm, I'm super thankful for Joe and Kelly and, and how their leadership took place on campus while I was a student athlete there. And how they would kind of open open their doors, uh, literally and um, figuratively, uh, to just kind of take you in and and you know be there when you needed somebody to talk to. And so, by opening their doors up, you know you got to meet their family and just um, obviously what a great unit they have. And and Derek, uh, man, he's just so talented. And I I don't think there's enough nice things to say about Derek. Uh, I actually texted him a week ago and just said, hey. Saw, saw the game where you broke my single-game passing record. Just wanted to say congrats. I know you've been working hard for that. Um, and what I really admired about him, too, during that game is they needed every yard of it, as you know, Matt. Like, he, it's not like he broke. I always I teased him. I was like, hey, I broke it in the second half. We were up by, like, 30 points, I think, and it was the school record. We kind of had our, our our eyes set on. So Coach Houchin was throwing me a couple bones in the play calling. But – um, man, when Derek broke that record, they needed every single bit of that to get the win. So that's just super exciting that he was able to deliver under those circumstances. And shatter is the right word. He is he is on a trek to to continue this streak. So uh, excited to see where he'll take it um, as the regular season's closing up into the postseason. And 
Yeah, I'll, I'll continue to work on Coach Houch and Coach Webb and just ask, hey, how did this happen? How did we let this happen? I thought we had a deal when I graduated. Hey, he's a special kid. It's a very special family like you mentioned. But, I mean, they've had some games. They come out just five wide, and they are just rolling. I'm like, man, if only we had these during the JB days, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember, so Coach Houchin, he's just he's he is just really a progressive um coach progressive play caller and he he is not one to shy away from understanding what type of personnel he has and adapting his um his offense to that and what he does such a great job with is obviously continuing the foundation of the offense hey we're not going to steer away from these concepts or these run plays but we are able to be created creative off of that and coach webb and him have a great relationship and kind of collaborating on what that looks like and so, yeah, I, I remember, you know, we'd always joke like, hey, can we start off and shotgun this game? Hey, can we start off and shotgun this game? And back in 2012, and, uh, you know, he's a little bit reluctant at the time. It would happen every once in a while, every game or two. But uh, to see what how he's, how he's evolved in 2023 and just, like, where the game's going, but also just, like, knowing the player he has in Derek Quinlan um, and Derek just really owning that with his teammates, is it's so much fun to see. It's it's been fun to watch. Of course, we're talking about your football records. I mean, you've got the most career three pointers in uh, boys basketball history at Maryville. I mean, he might take that down. Your seventh career points. He might come up and jump ahead of you there. I mean, who knows? After his senior year, I mean, he might just take you down a few notches on that record book. I actually didn't know the three point record. That's interesting. So I'm learning that. Um, the point total too. Yeah, I definitely knew I was I was up there uh, in top ten basketball. And it's like, man, Derek is uh, got a lot of opportunities ahead of him. That's all I hear when when I hear you rattle off all these numbers for him. He's he's um, he's a really talented kid, obviously on the court and on the field. But I think what stands out to me more is his leadership in the community and. Um, in his school and with his family and how he kind of prioritizes those things. Like he's the first one to acknowledge who's helped him along the way, which um, I think just says a lot to how he was grown up, but also how he's uh, leaned into it. You know, I think he's in a, in a really unique position now where he's a young adult and he can start making those decisions for himself. To, so to see him respond in the manner in which he has, and um, it's only going to open up so many doors for him, athletically if he chooses that but then also the lessons that he's learned from these athletic experiences just in everyday life what are we more likely to see uh you later on in life becoming a coach and coaching a Derek quinlan or becoming a radio broadcaster and calling his game somewhere oh that's a really great question i would say um you know i would almost say radio I think I just, I do, I still have a passion for it. And I know when I get in the booth on Saturday and watch Northwest battle it out with UCO, it's just going to be such a fun time for me. Um, my family will probably tell you that, you know, I'm a natural talk talker at heart. I don't have to work at it. I'm pretty good at talking. So um, those things I just enjoy doing. And it does bring in that analytical game too, Matt, as you talked about at the start of the call, like, you know, color commentating, also brings into effect just being able to watch the game being played out and analyzing both sides and being able to call that. So you do kind of get that fix as well on the mental side that I really miss about the game of football. Like there's always going to be a physical aspect where you're like, man, I wish I could go out there and just sling it. 
But being able to sit up there and just mentally challenge yourself and say, hey, what are these two sides trying to accomplish in their play calling and, and trying to stop one another? Um, it's just a muscle that I haven't flexed in a while that I'll be really excited to. If you're sitting at home watching a Chiefs game with your wife, are, are you talking to her like Peyton and Eli Manning on like the Monday Night Manning cast? Are you watching it as a fan? Like, How do you approach just watching football in general? Oh, yeah. So my wife, Hannah, and I, um, big Chiefs fans. Um, and so she's actually on the Chiefs uh, cheerleading training team this year, which is super exciting. So she's gotten a lot of great access and behind-the-scenes looks at the Kansas City Chiefs this year. So I'm actually, like, I'm living my life through her lens this year, being a Chiefs fan. So she has some great stories this fall. And then when we do, when we sit down and watch a game, it's she's asking me great questions as far as like, hey, like why'd that person get the ball or what are we, you know, what's Patrick Mahomes looking for when he made that pass and, you know, what's the defense trying to do here? So she definitely allows me to, to bring my commentary into the fold, but she's also asking for it, which I really appreciate. <laughs> um, and so we have a lot of fun when we get to watch the games. See, I feel like the dynamic you have there is different than at home my wife won't ask me a question. I'll just go ahead and answer it for her. And it's not like me trying to mansplain things. It's me just constantly telling her that the NFL hates the Raiders and that's why they're losing. <laughs> and me just getting upset about things. And she's like, I'm just going to go read the room. I'm like, okay. Oh, fine. I don't get me wrong, Matt. There are definitely times I will offer up my opinion without a question needing to be asked. That's for <laughs> sure. So I hear that side of it as well. Uh, it's, it's fun, you know got to be able to walk away from it when it's done and not be <laughs> upset, which not everybody can do. It's That's fine. Right. Yeah, there's always highs and lows to every week, every week. Yes, and the more and more I see these fights at NFL games on Twitter, I'm like, maybe I shouldn't go back to a game ever because it's safer in my living room. You know, and I always argue with people all the time, it's the camera angles nowadays. I'm like, why do I need to go through the hassle of parking and traffic and getting to my seat and paying a couple hundred bucks for an upper bowl ticket when CBS has given me 10 different camera angles and <laughs> they're mic'd up, the players are mic'd up, so they're making it real hard for me to, to leave my couch. 100%. Well, then eventually you'll get to be my age and you're like, man, I find myself going to the restroom a lot more too, but that's that's a conversation <laughs> for a different time. <laughs> Right, right. Those bathroom breaks are key. Of course. All right. Let me ask you two quick ones, and then I'll let you go. I appreciate your time, JB. Um, best wide receiver that you ever played with? This could be professional overseas. It could be at Northwest, wherever. Oh, Matt, you're really putting me on the spot. Um, hmm. I mean, I had a couple different playmakers that I feel like uh, come to mind. I mean, one, I'm going to be super biased, but I, I believe it. I, so Shane Williams was uh, my college roommate, um, which is why I might be a little bit biased, but he was also just a key cog in our offense for a couple years at Northwest from 15 to 17. Um, and he was just one of those guys. He was like a third down receiver. And what I mean by that is it'd be third and six and he'd get you seven yards. It'd be like third and 11, and he'd get you 12 yards. Like uh, Zach Martin and I would lean on him quite a bit um, our senior year to get first downs moving and keep keep um, keep the ball rolling down the field. So he just had a knack to get open no matter what route was called uh, and no matter how many yards needed to be 
uh, earned on a third down, he would just manage to get one extra yard and it would always come in, come in clutch. Um, and then my mind kind of goes to, um, overseas just because that was the latest playing days example that I have, uh, at the top of my brain. But we had a French receiver named Stefan Fortez and he was lighting fast, um, quick out of breaks. Um, and then also just a natural runner. So it's like when he had the ball in his hands, he just like knew he almost had the knack of a running back. He just kind of knew how to sift through the defensive secondary with the ball and kind of make guys miss in open space. So he actually was talented enough. He played on the French national team um, and he's still playing right now. So he's probably uh, when I played with him, he's probably like 22, 23 years old. So he's probably 25, 26 and still playing and still playing on the national team and, and playing in a couple weeks over in Europe. So, um, Anybody listening, if you Google Stefan Fortes, um, you'll get some good highlights out of him. You need to get this guy into the NFL. The Chiefs <laughs> he, could use some quick, receivers. He, he was quick enough. And I think what impressed me the most about him is when I got my hands on him um, as a quarterback and I was calling some plays too, running some offensive stuff over there, he was super young. So he hadn't really, you know, you don't have the experience obviously growing up like you do in the States, the opportunities you do. So for him to have excelled in his game the way he did with the limited you know experience that he had um just natural natural talent so would you probably say that bryce young would be the most fashionable wide receiver that you played with oh yeah if bryce young had played in today's game with all the cameras watching you know filming guys walking into the locker room and how you arrive to a game day um bryce young would easily be top five in northwest history of um yeah, in fashionability and, and how he's showing up ready to go. <laughs> I mean, just the personality, wearing it on his sleeve, always great hair. So Bryce <laughs> always had it working. <laughs> Even in practice, he would have quite the get up. Uh, and I'm like, how how'd you manage to wear all that? We still got to wear pads and get all this gear on, and he'd still somehow just look top notch. I think it was maybe the first practice going into your senior year. Was it senior or was it 2016? Either way, I remember just walking out there and seeing him on the field and being maybe like one of those half-cut shirts and like an American flag bandana. I'm like, man, this guy, he's ready to go. That's the image I had. When you said that, I had the American flag bandana in my head. I yes. think that's like when you say Bryce Young, you can't not think of that American bandana. Got to love it. That's awesome. All right, last one for you, then I'll let you go. Who are you picking to win the World Series? Oh, the World Series. Um, well, let's see. The Royals were out of it back in May. <laughs> so, oof. I don't know. Don't pick I think the Yankees. There's, there's a couple teams. I think the MLB, to me, is, is which makes it the most fun to watch in the postseason because it is, it is the hardest um, to call. Um, so, I don't know. I think the Rangers are looking pretty good. I know they kind of slid. They had a, you know, a couple of bumps in the road to end the season, but um, I don't know. I kind of like the lineup the Rangers bring and some of their pitching. Um, so I'm just going to go out on a limb and say the Rangers. The Rangers are due. They had their hearts ripped out in 2010 and 2011, so they should probably get one at some point. I would think. I agree. They there's somebody. They never stay stagnant. They're always active in the off season. They're always doing something at the trade deadline. So. 
Um, this is the year it finally all comes together. You will meet a guy on Saturday when you're in the broadcast booth, um, Sports Information Director Colin McDonough. He'll come down. He's a big Phillies fan. If he says anything, just immediately shut him down. Tell him that the Braves will win the NL and, and the Phillies aren't getting it done. <laughs> that's right. Well, I have a I have a longtime friend who's a Braves fan, so that's what I'll just keep throwing at him, see what he says, see what Colin has to say back. There you go. That's perfect. JB, thank you so much for your time. Looking forward to your call coming up on Saturday, and it'll be great to have you back in Maryville. Thanks for the opportunity, Matt. I'm super excited to get in the booth. Um, have a great call on Saturday. We'll be listening for you as well with the Spook Hound. Former Northwest Missouri State quarterback Jonathan Baker joining us here on Bearcat Rewind. He'll be on the call alongside John Coffey as the Bearcats take on the Central Oklahoma Broncos coming up at 1.30 Saturday afternoon. Pre-game begins at 12.30. That's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. Please check out our archived episodes if you haven't listened to those just yet. We had Jonathan Baker on a couple years ago, actually. This was round two for JB. Last week, we had Charles Gaddy, a safety for Northwest Missouri State football. Check those out. Please subscribe, rate, review, share the podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening to Bearcat Rewind. I'm Matt Tritton. We'll talk to you again next week.